Uh, before we get started in this episode, Sam and I just want to take some time out to acknowledge everything that's going on in the country right now, um, obviously with the protests of the death of George Floyd. I think, you know, I speak for Sam and myself when we're really tired to see things like this happen. Um, as a black male, I've obviously experienced some of these things firsthand. Uh, there are obviously conversations that I wish I never had to have. For example, I had a conversation recently with my girlfriend who's white about, you know, if we have children, if she's going to all of a sudden have to worry about our children. Um, this is obviously something that she hasn't done before. She hasn't had to worry about black babies before, unlike my mother. And this is a reality that we both just wish didn't exist. Um, I could name countless, countless, countless things that I have to do to uh, correct myself every day to make sure that I am safe, to make sure that I am in a comfortable situation given my skin tone. You know, it's not something that I can take off at the end of the day or take off when I have to. I mean, in reality, that a lot of people are tired of. So obviously having those conversations with my girlfriend is one thing, but riding my, you know, going on a run like Ahmaud Aubrey, um, you know, the very normal things that, that people should be able to do. So when, when people get really upset and they end up rioting, they end up protesting, you know, there's a reason. And we obviously don't condone any forms of violence or disruption, but there's a reason. And uh, we should pay attention to that as well. So just want to say we are with the protesters. Uh, we support the protests. Black Lives Matter, obviously. And uh, I hope that every day we can work, work more and more towards uh, an equal America. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, man. I think, uh, I mean, in my own personal perspective, I think I've benefited from white privilege more times than I'm even aware of. Um, and I think at the end of the day, this is a conversation that needs to be had. There's action that needs to be taken. I think there's these horrific reminders as to how much progress really left uh, still has to be made. And I think uh, if we can use this as an opportunity to identify how within the music industry we can come together. I mean, music historically has and will continue to have an incredible influence in culture. So I think right now as kind of forebears of this culture, of music culture, we should just be asking ourselves, how can both we and the, the artists and people we work with leverage their influence to spark meaningful conversation and drive action? So I think it's a, it's a tough time that we need to deal with in order to make meaningful progress. So I think uh, let's do all that we can on the individual, on the industry level, and let's not overlook this issue any longer. Absolutely. Well, back to, uh, it's, we're, we're all in this together, if, uh, but without any further ado, let's, let's jump into this week's episode. Whether you're an aspiring music business professional or a seasoned vet, every Thursday, the Music Business Podcast brings you the trends and tactics from some of the world's most innovative minds in music. I'm artist manager and consultant, Jordan Williams. And I'm Sam Heisel, co-founder of the music marketing and content production agency, Knox. We're not teachers. We're entertainment industry professionals, drinkers, wannabe comedians, and most importantly, fans. Welcome to the show. Yo, what's up, Sam? Yep. How you doing, man? Yeah. That's pretty cool, man. For the people who can't see our Zoom chat right now, Sam's got a he's got a forest background on his Zoom. He's thinking exotic. I got a Hawaii background on mine, man. We're chilling out here, bro. We're in a different place, you know. So, um, we got exci- today? excited to have these guests on, man. It's the first time we've ever had creative directors on, and I- I'm really intrigued by just the whole creative direction field because they're creatives that work with creatives, you know, and they work with them very intimately. It's a little bit different than like getting a featured artist to come on one of your tracks. It's a little bit different than having a producer come on one of your tracks. They're more like executive producers of the entire creative process or how they said it, creative management, creative managers of the entire creative process. They come in and um, when artists or brands feel like they've hit their ceiling creatively, they come in and, and 10x everything, you know, um, and just that process when it comes to come bringing uh, new ideas to the table, figuring out what new technologies are going to use. I think that entire process is really interesting. So today I just dig super deep into their process and Sam and I talk to them a lot about 
you know, how they work with artists as creatives, because artists are obviously very sensitive about their work and rightfully so. It's how they express themselves. Um, we talk about what their process is like internally to vet new ideas. Um, you know, during the episode, they, they say they just throw out shit. It always starts with a, a shitty idea or something like that. And I thought that was super dope because it means that they're obviously very vulnerable creatively to each other and just throw out ideas and see what sticks. They talk about bringing it to the artist, bringing it to the brand, how important presentation is um, for that. And I think a lot of people and a lot of artists right now, um, they don't necessarily think about creative directors and how uh, valuable they can be for their team. So for managers, for artists, um, I think this will not only help you think about if you should bring a creative director onto your team, but it'll also help you think about how you should just bring creative ideas to the table and how you should brainstorm. So, um, yeah, I thought it was super dope. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, I thought it was lit. I think these guys have a knack for putting on very, creating very unique multimedia experiences. I think that bleeds into the kind of experiential world when it comes to in-person parties, but it goes far beyond that too. And I think they talk a lot about uh, storytelling through different form, different mediums and different forms of media. And I think that's really valuable. I think they talk about, adapting uh given the current situation we're in with covid i found it super valuable and i would also have to say that like i can attest these guys know what they're doing <laughs> i went to a, an event they had put on uh it was top dog entertainment the, like the after party for the their arena show at madison square garden uh as well as the j-rock uh, i think redemption like album launch party it was buck wild bro they <laughs> and not only was like the party itself like lit, but it, 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 it's a testament to their creativity. They rented out, they, they threw it in this massive ballroom in Brooklyn, but they created a basketball rave. So they literally brought in like basketball court into the, into this ballroom and had these like crazy, like red lights and beautiful mix of like people and music and vibes and DJs and the ambiance, um, the talent that they booked the, I mean, it was, uh, not only from the consumer experience, it was super cool. And then, I mean, the fact this was like a branded party for Top Dog Entertainment and an album launch party. It's like finding those creative, unique ways to create memorable atmospheres and experiences is 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 so valuable. And these guys know how to do it and do it well. So very excited. So without any further ado, let's just uh, get right into it. Let's do it. Adrian and John, man, thanks for coming out. Yeah, of course, man. Super excited to be on here. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's great because obviously, like you know, like you were saying earlier, like you know, we've met you guys, you know, in our past lives, pre-pandemic, and now we're yeah. out here in our virtual little boxes. I'm looking at all beautiful faces on the screens right now. It's it's great. It's uh, well, yeah. Well, there's some pluses day. about it, you know. Like I asked both of you to to get on because I knew that you both probably had computers, as opposed to like <laughs> if we were still in New York. I'd have to wait for both of you to be in town at the same time. And then we'd have to coordinate a time to see you. And so there, there are some pluses. I'm not going to say there's a, a huge plus because obviously we don't want to be in the middle of this, but I'm glad to get you guys both on for sure. Um, and I guess just for starters, like what, how would you guys explain what Offline Projects does for their clients? Well, obviously, you know, recording the intro, but I want to hear, I guess, what you guys have to say about it as well. Yeah, um, I can kind of jump in and then John can hop off. Um, hop yeah, go for it. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's funny, you know, offline, I guess we've been around for uh, almost about like four years now. Um, you know, it started off as a bit of an experiment. It's always been kind of like a bed project. And that's kind of the ethos that we've always kind of, you know, had throughout this whole process, you know, where it's kind of like a very nebulous, you know, we're kind of a nebulous creative studio. You know, we 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 tackle so many different kind of like, uh, facets of just kind of like music, culture, fashion, whatever it really is, you know, um, you know, we kind of started off, uh, just doing events, you know, um, it kind of came about, uh, you know, we're a team of four, but you know, when we first started off, it was just me and my other partner, Tim, who's not on this, but, um, you know, the idea was to kind of bring in new media arts with just kind of, uh, you know, underground, uh, music, um, and really kind of like, you know, unexpected places throughout New York, you know? So, um, and it's kind of how we kind of jumped off, you know, we started doing these, you know, events from everyone from like, you know, Jacques Green and Hudson Mohawk and like the Russian bathhouse, you know, in uh, mm-hmm. New York, you know, to like, 
you know, we brought uh, uh, No Notes Hack from uh, France, this like um, French Japanese duo um, who do this re- really amazing projection mapping, um, you know, just really crazy, just kind of, um, you know, AV performances, you know, to a furniture warehouse, you know, we've done all this crazy stuff. Um, so what what went into those events? I don't mean to interrupt, but um, obviously you guys are a little bit more creative than the average person who's just like, yo, I'll throw you a party at a club. Yeah. So, so like what what went into back then and now, I guess, what what kind of goes into the events from both the logistical side and also the creative side? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, Johnny wanted to hop in. I mean, it's kind of like it's. it's yeah. Tough, you know? <laughs> I, I mean, this is indicative of our I think our relationship a little bit. We kind of all do a, a bit a bit of everything at times. But um, yeah, the events were were super interesting because we just took it from the perspective of like cool everyone's sort of like doing these things at established venues in new york it was at a pretty cool time where you had like babies all right i was guest house um elsewhere all these places that were like started the people behind them were sort of they came from underground sensibilities and were kind of doing warehouse parties and illegal parties quote unquote Mm -hmm. and they were doing more like legit things at this point and we were kind of missing one that sort of sense of like danger i guess a little bit but also the idea of like elevating things into something that kind of like took like cool we know all of these great like underground artists and we also have our own sort of like art projects and creative things that we kind of all do different backgrounds and how do we kind of like merge those things into something that like everyone can experience different little parts of it um, and kind of took it from there um pretty much evolved yeah and it's always kind of like comes about from just one single stupid idea you know like mm-hmm. i think that's what you know we really you know we're, we're we're part of our brand and part of just kind of like who we are you know it, it really comes from just being authentic you know so it's always comes from like all right what kind of like really ridiculous thing can we do that no one else can do you know in a really weird place with really artists that people would never book together you know so yeah. like probably the most obvious one is you know um with the bathhouse ones, right? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, like why would, you know, Hudson Mohawk play as DJ Mayhem, which is his happy hardcore alias, play with like, you know, Rabbit in like this 124-year-old bathhouse in the East Village, you know, like it's never <laughs> happened, you know? And like, you would always like find some way to kind of integrate some sort of, you know, new technology or just some sort of installation, something to kind of like give it uh, a sort of elevated, like a story almost, you know? Um, Right. And, you know, for example, for that particular one, we also built like a live stream platform. This is before, you know, live stream was like a massive thing. Obviously, Boyan was a thing. Right. But, you know, our idea was to kind of like create this, you know, interactive live stream um, that uh, basically we built an algorithm that took the live audio from the stream, from the actual event and created a, um, an online DDR game, Dance Fest Revolution, where people can online play along, you know. Um, so it's, it's, it's always like stuff like that, you know, it's always taking really kind of like crazy weird ideas and trying to figure out a way to execute them and a way to make sense from a sort of like a nice uh, middle ground of like high brown, low brown. Yeah. It, so um, how it did you define success? Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Keep going, man. <laughs> no, uh, to, to cap that off, I was going to say it generally starts from like us going back and forth um, on Slack or some sort of text uh-huh. just talking about like, Oh, shouldn't we like do this? Shouldn't we do that? Like really kind of outrageous ideas. And then it kind of whittles <laughs> down from there. That's sick um, though. Yeah. That's sick. What were your measures for success um, when you were doing events in the beginning? Like obviously there's a creative portion of it where you're like, this looks really cool. This is a really fun interactive experience, but also what was the measure of success for your clients being like, okay, we communicated really well on this or, because events, I'm only asking because events in general, is just, uh, in my opinion, it's kind of a difficult space to be in, um, especially because Sam and I, for those who don't know, we were going to start an event series for the podcast before we before we decided yeah. to do a podcast. So we're kind of like, let's kind of stick where our, our um, expertise is and 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 kind of take it take it digital because events are so difficult. So what what are some things that you uh, that you did back then, and I guess now, not only to figure out what the measures of success are, but also to, to make sure you're hitting them. Yeah. Um, I think like, at, you know, when we first started, you know, like, I think there's kind of like, what's interesting about, you know, offline is that there's kind of like two, uh, chapters in our story. yeah. You know, um, you know, when we first started, you know, it was all about events and, you know, uh, these kind of like auxiliary pieces, like, you know, interactive or design or, you know, everything kind of like stem from what this event, you know, the store, the narrative is right. Right. Something, uh, 
physical, you know? And at the time, you know, like uh, prior to us, you know, pushing it forward as more of a creative studio has always been kind of some sort of like nebulous kind of, you know, new media type promoter type of thing. You know, we never really kind of like thought about, you know, profits. We didn't have clients, you know, it's always about just creating something for the culture type of thing, you know? Um, so we would, you know, just like have really modestly t- priced tickets, you know, uh, a lot of people just kind of worked on it for free. We never really made any money. It's kind of broke even, you know, and, but that wasn't really the, you know, for us to measure success. It's more about kind of like doing something different that New York to us, you know, didn't feel like it had at the time, you know. Um, right. But, John, what do you think? No, I think that like sums it up. It maybe except uh, broke even is probably generous. I think we lost a lot of money <laughs> on, a lot of, on a lot of these. Um, Tim would probably <laughs> be a better arbiter for knowing that. Um, but yeah, I think that kind of sums it up. It, we're kind of in two phases. Uh, we started doing our own sort of thing and then it sort of led into just other people wanting some sort of like piece of that or, or our opinions on things and our uh, viewpoints. Right. Yeah. To pick it off of uh, what John's saying. So um, yeah. So basically, you know, we did kind of like parties and stuff like that for about two years and that was our main shtick, you know, and then at a certain point, you know, uh, brands, labels, artists, you know, starting to take notice of us and, you know, uh, started to kind of like hit us up for, you know, events. And then from the events came, you know, just additional stuff, you know, creative direction, uh, digital, you know, um, uh, design, branding, you know, live, you know. So it's kind of like, you know, in the second phase, we kind of started branching out and it's never really kind of like, you know, far from, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's necessarily like a evolution or a, a next step into kind of how we were. It's always kind of like how we've always been, you know, like, right. I think what's great about like our, you know, our little misfits um, outfit is that like, you know, we all kind of come from just really, you know, interesting and, you know, um, just really unique backgrounds, you know, like um, everything that we kind of, you know, our services now are all kind of stuff that we've always already been doing, you know, like, you know, creative direction, you know, uh, marketing strategy, all this kind of stuff, you know, it's always been stuff that we've always been doing outside of it. And, you know, at a certain point, we decided to just kind of put all our towns together into, you know, offline as a creative studio that's offered all of these things under one roof. Right. I don't think we've ever said necessarily no we've said no to clients i don't think we've ever said no because we couldn't necessarily do something it's more it we kind of look at this as like when people find us or decide that they want to like approach us with a project or you know an issue that they want to solve um our goal is always to just find a solution for that within our like skill sets and our network of creatives and whatever whatever else um so i think the only time that we've ever really looked at something and said like oh this isn't for us has been more from creative differences rather than like a oh we we don't know how exactly we would like execute something like this Mm -hmm. right that makes a lot of sense so when it comes to i know you guys focus on kind of 360 degree campaigns and i mean Multimedia, obviously a big component historically has been this kind of like IRL uh, environment that is tough to execute upon right now. How have you guys really adapted and continued to channel your your incredible creativity towards creating unique experiences online for consumers and clients? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's interesting, you know, because like I feel that like, you know, since you always started and it's always been, you know, like media content, any sort of creative is always, you know, this sort of like multifaceted, multidisciplinary experience. You know, you can never tell a story with just one medium, you know? And so, you know, like us, you know, doing less, I guess, I mean, for the past like, you know, a few months, you know, doing less or no, you know, physical experiences, basically, you know, like everything we've been doing up to this point, you know, has been taking, you know, physical experiences and expanding beyond just the physical world, you know, like, I guess a good example also, you know, is when we did this installation in Hong Kong, Dream Rave for Art Basel, you know, like that whole experience was like this, you know, massive, um, uh, this like physical installation that we did at Ethan Workshop. And then, mm-hmm. but then the whole thing about the installation is that it's all around collective dreaming. And so the um, installation itself, you know, uh, was like about like 300 something square foot hall of mirrors with this massive LED screen at the end. And the whole thing was generative. So then 
Uh, we also built a web platform, right, where people around the world could interact with the screen itself. So all the visuals were all determined by uh, what people typed into a terminal um, on online. So, you know, it's always kind of this blend of different mediums, the physical and digital, you know, for us. Um, so, you know, in terms of like what we're doing now, you know, um, we're exploring like just kind of like how we, we can take these, you know, basically take everything that was physical into the digital space, you know, creating everything that's, you know, uh, interactive, um, you know, ways where you can kind of like subverts um, expectations of what, you know, a live stream experience is and even beyond, you know, I think that like, we're always really interested in kind of like gamification, you know, um, interactivity, um, this sort of kind of like highbrow keech sort of like, you know, situations, you know, I think it's like, I think it's, it's a really interesting time, you know, and, and a lot of these things that we're working on are going to be coming out, I guess, in the next you know, few months, you know, so it's cool. That's super yeah. sick. And, and what's interesting is that like, like Adrian's saying, we've kind of been playing with this stuff for, for years and it's always been kind of like a, it's been in the back of our minds to, to kind of like get this out a lot of these ideas out on a, in a larger sense, but it's never really been something that people were necessarily interested in or wanted to sort of pay, pay for or could pay to like fund it. But now we're in this weird time where it kind of works in our benefit in some ways where like these ideas are valuable to people now. So we're able to kind of like jump off from things that we've been working on for, for, for years and kind of give people like cooler, unique experiences that kind of, exist outside of just like you know the cool zoom quarantine party or you know zoom installation yeah i was gonna say you guys it seems like you're already lending yourselves to a lot of creativity just by being like let's start with some weird shit so you're kind of like mm-hmm. already thinking of outside the box and we had a couple guests on a few weeks ago hovain hilton and chris hirsch from cinematic music group and they were kind of like for the people that are already thinking outside the box they're the ones that are going to be ahead of the game at this point because they already have the ideas and now they have a space where it's actually okay to experiment. And I feel like that's exactly what you just said. You were like, all right, well, you know, now that now that we're in this weird space, we can do more weird shit and see what sticks, you know, and like experiment and, and be creative, you know? Yeah, it, it's funny. We ha- we were having a conversation the other day, like with with our other partner, Tim, and we were just talking about like sort of what should we be doing? Like, how can how can we like use some of the ideas that we've had like in the music space? Like, what's the best way of doing this? And I was sort of sitting there, like, scratching my head. Like, I'm not sure what exactly people are doing as a next step forward. And sort of literally the next day, I got a text from from a, a, a previous coworker saying that, hey, we have this idea. Can we sort of, like, chat through it with you? And it was kind of exactly what we were discussing the previous day. Like, how do we take the next, next step forward in that? So like people are thinking in super interesting ways and trying to get these things off the ground. And I think something, something unique and cool will come out of this, whether it's, you know, something that we're doing or something insane that, you know, another, another person kind of finally has the ability to execute. Mm-hmm. What, right. do, what do you feel have been some of the most, uh, like if we look at how things have played out from like a music marketing perspective during the pandemic, pandemic hits, everybody starts live streaming. Everybody gets sick of live streaming. Um, <laughs> like what What sort of, I mean, there, for a second, there was this interesting like uh, spike of, I remember seeing a Bloomberg article that was like, these yeah. virtual, uh, these promoters are creating like virtual nightclubs and people are paying to get in. I was like, oh shit, yeah. like maybe the live events <laughs> industry will be saved by like random people that are paying beats me who's paying to get into yeah, Zoom I'm curious who's paying. <laughs> <'Cause>... <laughs> um but this what do you feel uh, when it comes to your perspective as far as things you've seen that you feel have been like unique experiences or ways to engage and story storytell if you will with consumers online amidst these circumstances I mean, you guys are you got some stuff cooking up yeah um but even maybe not necessarily stuff you've done that you you've just taken note yeah I think, um, and it kind of goes to what we were talking about earlier with like, um, you know, some of these more established venues who came from sort of like underground mentalities doing things where they were kind of taking spaces and just trying to figure out what they could do with it. Um, I think some of these guys have taken the medium of like, cool, we have to figure out some way to live stream just to kind of like stay top of mind and like 
be active, not necessarily generate dollars immediately. Um, I think guys like um, the crew over at Elsewhere who did that um, Minecraft festival with American football and a few others a few weeks back kind of are thinking in a super like interesting way. Um, there's obviously no like medium right now to really like fully execute these things. But I think when you look at like what they did with that, um, some of the club quarantine stuff is kind of kind of funny though. I feel like the shtick of like a Zoom party um, has kind of worn worn thin since we've been here for months at this point. Like you know, you can't ask DJs to constantly who be DJing for free when that's how they used to make their their income. Like mm-hmm. there has to mm-hmm. be a solve. But um, I think some of these sort of like more underground leaning um, people that come from that culture have been thinking about things really creatively and trying to figure out ways to kind of help the the community. I think also like guys like Rich Lightshung who like started 285 Kent or sorry, didn't did not start 285 Kent, but was super active in that sort of 285 Kent scene. Um, he runs mm-hmm. ad hoc, um, used to book for Webster doing all of these great things, kind of putting on a lot of young musicians in New York and, and elsewhere. Um, are kind of thinking creatively about like what the next step is and how do we kind of survive in in whatever this is this world that we're right. in. right right adrian i don't know if you have any more more to no to i mean add yeah there. i mean open pit does some great stuff um i think that that's what the elsewhere so you know they do all the the minecraft festivals like the thing with 100 guests you know um uh, you know, that Fortnite thing is actually pretty cool. The one with Travis Scott, you know, um, yeah, big budgets, you know, like, um, obviously it's more kind of like interactive, like, you know, uh, cut scene basically, but it's still, you know, really cool. Um, the, the Porter Robinson festival was really sick. Um, and that just kind of like, you know, it took a lot of, like, I think like it's kind of brought a lot of great talents on and, you know, uh, each of them had their own sort of unique voice and kind of like, you know, create really great visuals around yeah. everything else around that. You know, I've seen some cool stuff from like, um, I can't remember if it was like CalArts or SciArc uh, where they used the Twitch platform to, um, and they use basically the the chat function to kind of pull um, this kind of like, you know, Ian Chang type of like, um, you know, uh, uh, game, uh, game engine to kind of like generate um, just like content and generate kind of like actions for characters uh, based on what you were typing in, you know? That's cool. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a, I think there's a lot of cool shit happening, you know, like people are like, you know, starting to find ways to kind of like subverts the, the notion of kind of like, you know, audience participation and, and, and interactivity within kind of live streaming is no longer just sort of like one, you know, one ended one way sort of like, you know, experience. And it's kind of becoming a little more two ways, but um, obviously a difficult part is getting people to kind of like, you know, cause everyone, most of the stuff is all pro bono stuff, you know, no one's really spending money, but I think like, as we kind of like get towards the, you know, the next step of what, you know, this new world is, you want to start paying attention to kind of like how we can kind of monetize and figure out ways to kind of expand it further than just kind of these um, experiments. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it seems like from the monetization perspective, it's like, I know certain platforms like Twitch are offering like subscriber set where you can have like monthly subscribers. Uh, and I, in other instances too, it seems like there's this like playground which brands might do like interesting like branded live streams and potentially brand interesting artists. Have you seen any unique mechan- other mechanisms mechanisms of monetization? Uh, I not too soon. really too soon. I think. I yeah. mean, even like with the brand stuff, it's it's interesting because it's they're hurting as well. It's not like they've right. got mm-hmm. nece- not every brand has a ton of money to throw around. So it's sort of like even from that perspective of being like, oh well, the brands will give us money for some of these live streams. Like it's just it's. I don't think the, the sort of system is there yet. So right, it's been sure. right interesting, but. From our side, it's it's still great for us because we get to kind of like toss around these ideas and have these conversations with people trying to figure it out. Um, and I think that's half the fun. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. right. So um, this is a question from Danny uh, from, from Patreon, from our Patreon. I think it fits in uh, in the conversation here pretty well. He wants to know what does your lead pro- what does your R and D process look like for integrating new technology or experimenting with new ideas? So you said before you guys obviously throw a lot of like ideas out, but in terms of finding what those ideas are or being inspired to push those ideas, um, 
what's your kind of process to being like, nah, this is this is bullshit, or like, nah, maybe maybe this isn't a good idea, or you know, maybe this technology that we thought would be really cool is actually uh, it doesn't really have legs or anything like that, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a a conversation, you know. It's I think like what's fun about us is that we're all really close friends, and so it's always mm-hmm. like a very it's a very fluid sort of like thing, you know, like one of us has idea, you know, we kind of like, you know, chat through, put on a Slack, put a little deck together and it's kind of like that. And then obviously, you know, we do all the, you know, we basically do most of the stuff ourselves and we bring in partners um, to kind of like make sure, you know, technology works or whatever. But it really kind of stems from that initial conversation of, you know, if, you know, if it even feels like it's even doable, you know, I think like part of that comes from just kind of like our, like I was saying before, like our just kind of like, very wide level of expertise and different, you know, uh, just different kind of worlds, you know, like, yeah. for example, you know, like, um, for myself, you know, I come from the initially, like came from the film world and, um, and an advertising world, you know, prior to, you know, so actually started, we started offline when I was, where all of us actually were still working at, you know, um, agencies and, and tech companies and, you know, um, and, uh, um, uh, marketing agencies, you know, so it's kind of like, after having done so much of that, you know, um, learning how to deal with clients and learning just kind of like just different ways of working with technology and, and media and culture, you know, like we just kind of got a sense of like what works and what doesn't, you know, I think that's kind of mm-hmm. like part of just what makes us a little special is because we, we know how to do everything. So like between the four of us, like we know how to do everything. <laughs> right. So, what are, so, yeah. What are some of the, your like favorite projects where you feel like you had the opportunity to bring some of your favorite ideas to life. I know obviously whenever dealing with different brands or partners, uh, there's often, oftentimes they, they may like water down various ideas. And, and you had mentioned too, um, Jonathan too, and oftentimes too, if there really is a, a time when you're not going to work with somebody, it's cause they may be watering it down too much, or there's just a, a disagreement when it comes to creative visions in, in those rare instances where you are able to do what you want to do and, and bring those things to life. <laughs> um, what what are what are like the the uh, I mean even just across the board what have been some of your favorite experiences and favorite ideas that you've been able to bring to life? Right, I I think the the one qualifier there is is that I feel like everything we worked on has always been like a process whether it's a client or an artist like there's yeah, always right. like some like back and forth like right. I don't think we've ever gone into something where it was like we had this idea and like we just did that. There was, there was yeah. no sort of like, they were like, this is great. Like, yeah. Go and there's for it. merit to that though, too. Cause I feel <laughs> like as a, whenever you're an agency too, it's like, cause even I run like a marketing and content agency and like you, you don't, you're not the brands. I mean, they have their own preconceived notions around how they want to be portrayed. I mean, sometimes at the end of the, sometimes there's, there's merit and, they are trying to uphold something good. Other times it may seem counterproductive, but at the end of the day, it's their decision. But I do think it, it makes sense in the, the grand scheme. But yeah, go ahead. Our probably favorite experiences and most recent experiences just from the amount of kind of work that went into it and the scale is probably like this um, Adidas Originals Alexander Wang project that we were working on through most of the last quarter of, of 2019. Where it was, um, wow. <laughs> where it was, um, Adrian, they need to take over here. Um, it's kind of a very long and, and arduous process, and there was a lot, a lot of players in the mix, um, and there was a lot of learning on on our side, on their side, just kind of how everyone worked together. Um, but the final, and then obviously, like the, uh, as you can imagine, like you know, working with someone like Alexander Wang, there's, there's very particular um, points of view and things change at the last minute, which of course they did for this particular one. But um, right. the end product was, was really something I think that everyone was happy with. And that um, was just a, a great time kind of for all of the, the fans and people that like experienced it and something that will hopefully um, kind of people will look back on and be like, that was interesting. And there are little like nuances that, may not have been like noticeable at first, but when you dive into the, the project itself um, and some of the background, you discover those things. And Adrian, I'm sure you've got some to add there and probably there, there are a ton of other projects and, and I feel like we probably have those feelings about. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, to kind of echo you, like I love, I think the Alexander Wayne project was definitely one of our highlights, you know? I think that like, 
we I feel we grew a lot from that project. Um, it 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 definitely was like something no one like I I can probably say for ninety nine percent certain no one's ever done something like this because it's just so niche and so specific. Like if you if you guys didn't know what it was, basically we did the season six show for Alexander Wayne and Didis for the last collab ever that they were ever going to do together. Um, and the idea um, they, that Alex had was um, the last hack. So. Basically, like he, the story was that like he um, went to, um, I believe it was like DefCon or one of these big um, hacking security. Yeah, and like somehow was just like, yo, this is crazy. This is so sick. I would love to do this for <laughs> a show, you know. Um, and you know, in particular, like if you guys know what Captured a Flag is, that was what he was really inspired by. Basically, like if you guys know what war games are, it's kind of like these hacking competitions in which um, a bunch of different teams uh, try to hack into, you know, a piece of hardware or into uh, each other's kind of hardware to kind of find uh, little snippets of code um, to answer these challenges. And, you know, uh, they're always like really, really, really niche kind of problems, like from like, you know, crypto all the way to like, um, you know, there's, I can't remember, there's like, there's like 12 of them, 12 different challenges that we made um, all kind of like, Built for this particular thing. So basically, like we built our own game. Like we built like a, a literal game show uh, for the sh- for the the season six show, um, in which uh, we had like you know uh, eight hackers and four teams, um, basically hacking um, and solving these challenges. And the 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 thing was that like you know um, every team every team that like hits a thousand points, they opened um, a door, and this door um, allows fans people in the at the party, at the event, uh, to go into a room, um, and they have 15 seconds each to grab whatever they want, basically, whatever dead stuff. So, like, fools can, like, run out of there with, like, up to $600 worth of merch, like, and it was kind of like, it's kind of like Alex's whole, it's almost like a big, like, F you to, like, the whole thing, because it's kind of like, it's kind of funny, it's like, his last clap ever, he wanted to kind of go out the bang, you know, something, you know, he loves this kind of, like, I don't know if you guys seen like his old campaign where he had like um, this like old store um, where basically everything was free and like the whole the campaign mm-hmm. video was like people rushing in and grabbing everything and there was like you know there's a riot happening yada 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 you know like that's his whole thing so of that same nature it's like how do we gamify that you know and obviously right. you know like you know who who's gonna gamify the boys obviously you know like so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we we built like it was like this crazy system it you know it took us like about like, I guess like three months. Um, you know, we did a Brooklyn Museum. Uh, we had like, you know, um, like I think like three hours worth of original music by uh, Danielle Harl. The whole thing was like we, what we tried to do was create this sort of like, you know, Disneyland type experience where like each part of the experience had a bit of a story. So like you go through the back of the museum into this freight elevator and in the elevator is like onboarding music, you know, um, and then you go out and there's like these like character actors who are like telling you to get into the, the arena and all this kind of stuff. So um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of like, you know, we had like just, everything was generative, all the visuals were generative, all the live code was generative, all the, uh, we built a bunch of like ASCII visuals uh, of all the, the products and stuff like that. Um, it's like, we have like, I think like eight, how many, like eight projectors, uh, two other walls. Yeah. It was just like a lot of stuff that went on. We're there. nerding out. <laughs> yeah. A lot of but shit. That's, I mean, it sounds really dope though. And I honestly would like to see some of that stuff like on the internet, like where you go onto somebody's website and you, you know, and this is obviously a little more wax. This is not in person, but you have 15 seconds to put as much in your card as you can and then and check out, you know what I mean? Like there are shit ways, right. There are ways to, to do this and make websites like really interactive for brands and and I don't think people are even at the at the beginning of, of what that looks like. I think it's I think it can be much cooler and much deeper. Um, even then, you know, obviously love what Travis Scott did with Fortnite, but make it a little bit more unique to just your platform, whether that's like, how do we make our Instagram stories more interactive or how do we make our website like way more interactive where when you go in it, you feel like you're, you know, making an entirely new experience, you're in an entirely new experience, but you still feel like very connected with this artist or with this brand. Um, I think it'd be super cool to see stuff like that. And instead of, you know, going to so-and-so's page and it's a static page with a couple of animations, like really going into it and experiencing something for however long, you know, I think, I think that, I think I would love to see the music industry in particular adapt to things like that. The only other artist I, I could think of that did something like that was Childish Gambino, but it was in person. He, he, um, for because the internet, he had like a, I just wasn't quite a museum. It was like an installation that you went through and it was kind of like through the mindset of the, the person on the album. Like how dope would that be to have a similar thing, but like just on somebody's website, you know what I mean? 
um, now I'm nerding out. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I think we're at like kind kind of like a crossroads in, in music and otherwise, where it's sort of like there there's sort of two directions these things could go or people could pull them in where you have that sort of like super commodified, like, Oh, let's plug and play this. Um, and that's not necessarily that interesting. Like, you know, where it's mm-hmm. just like, here's a live screen stream, here's a brand, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, or on the other side, you could get super like conceptual and interesting with it and just figure out what are some of like the wackiest things you can do because you just have that. You, we, we have that option. We have that sort of, right. like, there are no rules right now. Um, I think another interesting thing that isn't necessarily something we did, but that kind of Adrian and I were talking about last week was what like um, the 1975 and like Samuel Burgess Johnson, those guys did with like a little interactive website for them to kind of like get used as a vehicle to like get out all of the sort of like creative output that went into that album campaign, yeah. you know, like the renderings, the, the live tour progress the different like sort of like artwork comps and and like just like outtakes and yeah just awesome. kind of like nerdy design and design stuff and creative stuff that a lot of people don't ever get any insight to and i know the minute i saw something like that it was like whoa this is great like i'm super interested in everything that kind of like went into this and and the actual like work process um and also just like creatively like looks cool um there he is again. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. He just wants pets, man. That's all he yeah. wants. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think th- I think we're probably veering off the the question of like what are some of the interesting things we've done. I think the Wang stuff was super interesting. Um, we've had like a pretty long relationship with the ADA Rising camp and done some pretty cool stuff with them. Um, Adrian was out in Asia with them in the last quarter of last year before we started doing. A lot of the Wang stuff kind of like just working through again, like one of those like relationships where it's sort of like the client, it's a client obviously, but there's this sort of like back and forth. Um, and there's you land in like a pretty interesting and unique spot at the end of it. Adrian, I'm sure you can talk a little bit more because you're like on the ground dealing with it all. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think just cool going back to kind of like what we were always saying, it's like you know it's all built on relationships and then just friendships, you know, it's like, I think that's what all kind of creative collaborations are all stem from, you know, like how do we make right. something great with people that you're, you know, cool with. So with the 88 stuff, you know, it's kind of the same thing, you know, like basically my homies at 88 saw that I was already in uh, China for this other project actually for, uh, what was it? Mixcloud. Oh, yeah. And, you know, oh yeah. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. I was there for some like, like I was like the artist they're featuring on this branded um, doc they're doing with um, it was like me and Lexi Liu, some sort of like we're doing some like bespoke installation for one of the performances, and then on the last day, <laughs> on the last day while I was DJing at the club, actually, like <laughs> I got a, I got an email from my homie at ADA and was like, "Hill, I saw you're already in like Guangzhou. Like we have this like you know we we got, we got to get the creative director on the shoot for uh, our new compilation record, um, Head and Clouds too. Like you want to go to Chengdu like tomorrow and like me waste yeah, up the club." I'm like, yeah, bro. I'm like, I'm like trying to mix in a new track. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's sick. Um, yeah, so it's kind of like that, you know, like, and for that particular thing, you know, I, we were like shooting this whole thing like in three different countries. Like it was in China, then we went to uh, Indonesia, to Jakarta, uh, and then we went back to LA, you know, shoot Brian. So, um, actually, no, to shoot Joji. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's fun stuff like that, you know, always on the move and, you know, I think everything's, I think everything we do is super unique. Like that particular one's a shoots, you know, uh, obviously the Alexander Wayne thing was an event, but it was like, um, you know, I had so much more content around it. Um, right. Gold Link stuff was basically super 360, you know, all the cover yeah. art, you know, the, uh, you know, the websites, the, you know, the live, the tour we did with, with on a Tyler tour, you know, um, yeah, you know, it's just, it's kind of always been uh, just kind of like menagerie of just different things coming together. Yeah. Right. And always some weird element of like chaos that like at the end hopefully breeds something that's like cool and that everyone is happy with and excited about. Mm. Love chaos. <laughs> what um do you have a process for brainstorming? I know you mentioned that like you're shooting ideas back and forth via Slack and iMessage, and there's a process for like feedback with the actual um 
process feedback with your actual clients and making sure you're taking yeah. into consideration their brand voice and positioning and all that good stuff. Do you, I mean, how, how do you, I mean, you guys at the foundation is coming up with cool fucking ideas. Is, how well, do you do it? Well, well, we do actually sit next to each other a lot of the times. Like we do have an office, so we're eight, when these you still these, slacking each other, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> when these moments happen, we a lot of times are able to just kind of like chat through a lot of this stuff. Um, and I think it, Adrian and I kind of think very similarly. Um, I feel like a really good example is kind of like something. It's not a hundred percent yet, but we were on a a, a call about a potential project the other week and like simultaneously while we're on the call kind of like not knowing exactly what we're getting into but like our brains are whirling and we're kind of both Mm -hmm. sacking each other and talking about like similar reference points for where Mm -hmm. we would want to like take this i feel like we think pretty similarly so the process has always in my mind felt pretty fluid um yeah Adrian, what? Right. I'm sure you've got more there. No, I mean, that's kind of it, really. We just kind of talk to each other. And it's always these candid kind of conversations, you know? Like, sometimes we're just kind of roasting each other, roasting our guests. Yeah. You know? <laughs> kind of like, Do you guys ever have that moment where you're like, I mean, this could be completely cliche, but where you're like, oh, shit, that's dope as fuck. Or like, oh, shit, that's hard. That's crazy. We got all, you know what I mean? Or is it more like, all right, cool. That's that's cool. Let's look into it. You know what I mean? Or is it? Is there ever like a moment yeah. where it clicks where it's like, oh shit, yo, that'd be wild as fuck? Or <laughs> yeah, I'm, oh. I'm pretty much asking you if you've ever been like a rapper in a studio, <laughs> like when they hear a tight beat and they're like, oh fuck. Yeah. Is, is it like that with creative direction as well, or like not really? Is it a little more calculated? <laughs> I think we we have like moments where we're like, oh, this would be really fucking cool if we could like nail this and just kind of like make something like x y and z happen and like there is that like cool aha moment but i guess less than like the artist way is that then we have <laughs> to kind of like bring that to the client and like sell them on it so yeah, there's right. no like real celebrating until like <laughs> they're like cool yeah we love this like let's do it um and by that point we're so far removed from it it's so far off down the line that it's like okay cool let's like figure out how to do this now <laughs> right right dope so another kind of question from uh, our guy Danny and uh, our Patreon group was around this uh, VR, and I know we've been speaking a little bit about it, like adapting to what this new world looks like. How does VR and your considerations is the future? Uh, your considerations when it comes to the future applications of VR play into to your concepting and what you're providing is uh, to your clients. Um. I mean, my personal kind of like take on VR, I mean, I don't know what John thinks, but like, I feel like, um, I feel like with VR, AR, and even just XR, like, I feel like, like there's still hardware limitations to kind of everything. Like, I feel like we haven't really solved a lot of like, you know, particular kind of like issues around, particularly VR, like VR is a very solitary experience, you know, like, and it's just kind of like, it's a massive barrier of entry of even getting that equipment to play with you know like right. one you need the actual headset two you need like a, a computer or some you know some piece of hardware to actually run the software and you know really smoothly you know um and obviously like all the headsets that you know at least the ones that i've tried like i'm sure you guys tried like vr too much but like wearing something for over 15 minutes just starts to feel uncomfortable you know so right kind of like you're very aware of your it's not it's not as immersive as you think. You know, I mean, right. it's like you're, you're very aware that you're within a world, a, you know, a simulation within our simulation. You know, it's like right. it's it's always kind of like it, it, I don't feel like it's there yet. But I do think that like you know things around AR and like I think the future really is XR. You know, which is what, what is yeah, what is XR? Yeah, it's just like extended reality. Basically, it's like it's how do we kind of like take. Um, uh, VR and AR together into one piece of hardware or one experience, you know, like, cause like with VR, like you, it's always kind of like this, you know, closed headset, right? Like you're cutting off the outside world from there with like AR. It's like always like, you know, a phone or some sort of like frame within the larger frame, right? It's where it's like, like for example, the, uh, the, well, the HoloLens, right? The Microsoft HoloLens, like that's our XR stuff, but Mm-hmm. How it kind of worked was like a headset, but there was like a small peripheral, like kind of like box within your headset that you can kind of see it through. It's just kind of like a phone in front of your face, you know, mm-hmm. which doesn't really work, you know. But um, I think there's like people who are starting now to kind of like bring, you know, take that, you know, um, uh, VR technology into kind of the real world with XR, you know, 
a lot of that kind of stuff is like done through like live streams. Like I've seen, um, I think it was Dixon do that, um, that uh, Boiler Room show. Boiler Room, yeah. yeah, it was like all like using connects, I believe, and just XR stuff, you know, point cloud stuff, which is cool, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think eventually, you know, we're going to get to a point where we can have really just kind of like great hardware that is one, affordable, uh, but two, also, you know, blends these like realities together uh, that feels kind right. of like and seamless, you know. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Echo kind of just about everything Adrian was saying for, for a brief stint. I worked at a, this company, um, a, a company in Brooklyn that kind of like specialized in sort of like VR experience and director work <clears throat> as well as like a bunch of commercial work. And like, see, I, I got to see a lot of like really like cool applications, but it wasn't, it was super like nerdy stuff. Like it's not something you can like see. I could see like my mom or just kind of like everyday people using right. super easily, even with like the Facebook Oculus stuff when they kind of like relaunched that a couple of years ago, like it just, it, it doesn't feel ready um, as much as we right. probably all would like it to be. But I think eventually we'll see like some really cool stuff and I'm sure we'll have some ideas. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so I wrote this question down before this person sent it on Patreon, but I'm going to shout him out anyway. Cause he came with the fire questions. Danny came with the fire questions. So here's one that me and him both wanted to ask you, which is, when do you think it makes sense for an artist to bring on an, an, an outsource to creative team, one? Um, and the second one is you guys are obviously creatives, but you're also working with creatives. So how do you, after you answer the first question, how do you kind of walk the line of being creative with creatives when they're so sensitive and generally about their vision and their work while still um, you know, being able to provide productive creative ideas? So I'll just repeat the first couple questions again, or the first, or the questions in general. The first is, how do you know when it makes sense for an artist to have a creative, uh, creative outsource a creative direction team? And the second one is, how do you, I guess, work with creatives, other creatives, the artists themselves, without like stepping on their toes creatively? John knows the answer. Yeah. To that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the, the first question. I think it makes sense once the artist feels like they've kind of like hit a. Um, they've hit this sort of like ceiling with what they can execute with themselves or internally with like whatever the labels team is or their friends or anything like that. I think those like initial, those first moments of an artist, like finding out who they are and like experimenting and developing like a creative crew, it can go into into a couple directions. I think it goes into two places pretty often. Like you kind of like find a crew that you really like, you're kind of like building out sort of like, what you are as an artist in tandem with like the music side of things. And that's all well and good. And then you get to like this crossroads or this point where it's sort of like you need more and either those people that have been with you from jump sort of like level up with you. Um, I think again, to go to like the 1975 SVJ references, something like that, I feel like happened there where they're, they've, they've been working together for years and making incredible work. Or you kind of get to a scenario where it's like, okay, maybe those people aren't interested in doing this or it's just not the, the skill set isn't there. Um, and that's kind of like one of those moments where it's like, okay, how do I, who do I bring in? Like what team, what people can I bring in to kind of help me like elevate this? And I think that's, that's a good place of starting it, but I also think it's really important and there isn't always this luxury. Um, but taking the time to like get to know those, that, that person or those people that you're working with on that creative and like really like going to ground with an idea and figuring out sort of what the, what that idea is from like every aspect and how you take it across right. a whole bunch of mediums. So that's kind of like the first piece, I think to that. And then the second piece, what was, what was the second question? <laughs> how do you, cause I was saying you guys are creatives, but you're also a lot of the times um, with artists you're working with creatives. So how do you, how are you both creative while you, um, providing value and not stepping on each other's toes right, you know right, right. yeah I, I when i was in management like i i pick and i picked and choose very wisely on when i decided to say anything creative to the artist yeah. just because i know how you know sensitive they can be about their work and it makes sense you know yeah i think that's where especially with like adrian and my relationship like we both come from like different backgrounds that kind of like led into similar places so it helps to know like um before i was doing on 
the more creative side of things. You know, I was working at a management company, working with hyper creative artists, mm-hmm. um, and then um, working at sort of like a management services and marketing company. So it was sort of like um, I got understand sort of how to what goes in on an artist's minds a little bit more than maybe like if I was strictly coming from like a creative world. So it helps to be able to kind of like expand on like what this, what the scene will look like, basically what the trajectory Mm -hmm. will be if we say like one thing and like, okay, put yourself in their shoes and like what that response is going to be that way then internally, like AJ and I can kind of like workshop how we're going to present something to an artist um, versus like, just like coming at it as, a pure creative, a pure designer, pure, you know, director, um, where it's just sort of like, okay, here's like an amazing idea. And then you're sort of like butting heads with the artists a little bit, um, to, to kind of like convince them. And I think there will always be like some butting heads. I think that's healthy and and great, but, um, it's kind of, it's in the presentation, I think a lot of it. And we spend a lot of time figuring out what the right way to present things to artists and, and clients is are <laughs> um and i think that shows in 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 our work and we in what we the feedback that we get from from clients and artists so yeah i yeah. assume saying something like yo your last album's created was a little whack so we're gonna try this is way different <laughs> than this is how we yeah. expand the vision that you already have for yourself creatively you know what i mean yeah i'm sure i'm sure even if it's the same idea like one is a dud and a bad presentation and it doesn't the artist doesn't mesh with it thinks is dumb and the the other end just being respectful of their process it could be the same presentation and still and still you know that one's yeah, the one that's exactly. accepted you know well, one of those stays in the in the in the iMessage threads and the drafts and the <laughs> other one goes out Oh, you dangerous um, putting it in the iMessage drafts. I usually put it in my notes section. Yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I hit that send button by accident, you can't take that back. <laughs> Facts. Facts. Um, but yeah, Adrian, um, do you have any, yeah. any more to add there? I feel yeah, like. I mean, it's always kind of like, it's always funny. Like, I always think about how it's almost like a game. Like, I always go back to like games and gaming. It's you know, like to mm-hmm. be able to work with someone else, right? Um even if it's a client or just a friend, whoever it is, it's always like this, this game of, uh, it's sort of mind games, right. To kind of like, to kind of make sure the other person, you know, feels included and feels like, you know, in a way, sometimes a lot of how we kind of approach it is like make them feel like the idea came from them. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and, you know, and I don't say this maliciously at all. It's, it's almost like, it's more of this kind of way of kind of like making them part of the, the creative process, you know, like, right. Never, it's hardly ever a situation where we come in, you know, guns a blazing with this like fat idea, right? Where it just kind of like, okay, cool, like, but like, how's that to do with me at all? You know, it's yeah, it's always sort of like <laughs> it's always a sort of sort of situation where we kind of come up with something that you know we workshop with them um, over a, a period of time, taking whatever they had, you know, and just kind of like evolving it, you know, like taking it to the next step, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that like a lot of that shows and some of the gold link stuff where you know it's it was a you know a very long process of coming with everything around it you know like um so obviously there was so much there's so many different assets and so many you know pieces of art and videos and yada 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 like and it's all very complicated but the whole way we kind of approached that was you know making a feel conversation with you know with the you know to make sure that like you know whenever you came with with idea to us you know even if we felt like that didn't necessarily mesh with our idea or whatever it's it's more about like how do we take what you're thinking and spin it in a way that we're all kind of like happy with you know how do we kind of take what you're kind of like concepting and um make it kind of feel that you know it's it's something that came from your mind even if it low-key came from ours type of thing you know it's right right sort of like you know game of kind of cat and mouse in in a certain way so um, and a lot of that kind of comes from just kind of like how we talk about things, you know, right. like, I think we're very, you know, like, um, we're very tact in kind of like how we present ideas, you know, like, and the word, the word usages, you know, it's like, I'm sure you might, you know, uh, listening back to probably this conversation, it's like, I use like, I think a lot, you know, and like, I feel, you know, it's, it's always, it's never like, I, I think it's like, it's never like very didactic. It's always kind of like a mm-hmm. thing that you know, you can maybe like it or not, and I'll give you, we'll give you kind of like the the reasons why this thing should be, right? And then that kind of creates a sort of dialogue, this process, you know? Um, so yeah, you know, long story short, mind games. 
<laughs> and time, time, time yeah. is always, always great to have, you know, when, <clears throat> when right. someone comes, comes to us and says like, Hey, we have like a, we have a record, um, it's going to come out in three weeks and we want to have like creative direction. It's sort of like, if you don't have, if, if there isn't time to kind of put together an idea and, and kind of get the building blocks of everything really strong, then when these, these like curveballs that Adrian is talking about here come into play, there's nothing to sort of like ground that within or bounce that off of. We get, you know, everyone gets stuck in this sort of like, oh, what do we do? What do we do process? How do we get out an asset? And it's, it's kind of one of those things that I think, especially in the way that the music industry has gone in the last you know, five or six years, you know, it's, it's super like content asset based everything. You just want this constant stream. And if an artist doesn't have a really strong point of view or a really strong sort of like concept and direction right. for, for a record, um, it's really easy to get like washed up and uh, not washed up in, in, in the sense of like not relevant, but washed up in the storm of just like, we need this, we need that, we need this. And, and there's nothing kind of grounding anything. Right. And then you forget about the record. All right. Our, our goal is always to have something that kind of like stands the test and, and hopefully something that people can look at, you know, in five, two, three, four, five years, whatever. Um, and be like, Oh, that was really cool. That was a really cool moment. Oh, they did like this really interesting thing. Oh, this looks, you know, tight basically right right um, and I, d- I did think go links project felt like an experience because of the good things that you guys put together and the branding and creative that went along with it it all I, in my opinion it felt it felt pretty cohesive so um but yeah cool well um thank you guys for coming out man this was like super great you're the first creative creative people outside of musicians that we've had on this i was like really excited to get uh, people from a creative studio slash creative direction agency on because I think it's I think for a lot of our listeners and for a lot of people in general and for myself when I started in the industry it wasn't like what do people do when they're creative directors but it's like how do they even approach what they do and like I said how do you work with artists without stepping on their toes these are things that I like kind of always always wondered about because you're sort of like stuck in the middle of this being a business and uh, a creative outlet at the same time <laughs> so um, it's, you know, it's great getting you guys on to kind of navigate that, uh, navigate that duality. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Super excited to be on here. And, you know, like, I, yeah, I, I really appreciate that having us on. And I think the, the sort of like conversations we had about just kind of like, like what you're interested in kind of like, how do we navigate these sort of like interesting kind of channels where there's so many creative minds involved, you know, it's, I think a lot of what we do and a lot of what creative directors do in general, you know, beyond just like the, the fools who have that, the, the, the shit on IG on their bios, you know, it's like, <laughs> I think it's, it's like part of, you know, it's like part of the whole shtick, you know, it's like it, a lot of our, a lot of our jobs isn't really even the creative. It's a lot of it's just kind of like management, you know, like creative yeah. management, you know, it's how do we bring teams of people to come together and create a very unique cohesive vision, you know, beyond just, the artists, but also, you know, the managers, the clients. Yeah, then I literally almost said that earlier because, um, John, you said when somebody comes to us with an idea, if we creatively mesh, we'll just try it no matter what it is. In my head, I literally thought that's like a manager. <laughs> like the, the managers, <laughs> what they what they do is like, okay, the artist came to me with an idea. I have to figure it out. How right? do I? Yeah. So you, exactly. So you guys, you guys do that, but it's not touring necessarily. And it's not, you know, how do we... Yeah. You know, it's not another area of it. It's it's the creative side of it. So there, um, there's a whole management s- is literally the words that I thought of when you when when you said that. <laughs> there's a whole subset of managers that I feel like that I came up with and who are friends who kind of like in the last few years have realized that like they're less manager or they are a manager, but less sort of like manager in the traditional sense and more of like a creative manager. Right. Their 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 goal is to kind of like bring these ideas and like to life and bring new and interesting things in front of their artists and <clears throat> I think present like the best possible version of the artists and that's kind of the way that we look at things a lot of times as well at right. least from the right. artist side right well thanks again guys man I uh, appreciate you guys for coming out and I hope you navigate the pandemic um <laughs> you know better than you did yesterday so I hope it continues continues to improve over time for you guys so super excited for when you guys can get, get, get rolling again and I can, uh, you know, check out the projects you guys are working on. Oh, man. Yeah. Good shit. Thanks for having us y'all. Appreciate yeah. y'all. Thank yeah, you. for sure. Peace. Peace.
Yo, man, I thought that was a really great episode, dude. Like I said, I was I was really excited to get, you know, two creative directors on in general and just kind of dive into that process. And I think that we did that super well. And I think that, you know, we showed what being not only a creative director looks like, but the vulnerability and the flexibility that you need to be one and how even in a the pandemic, they, you know, they still had ideas. They were still like, now's the time where I get to focus on these ideas that I created before the pandemic that are still relevant to the pandemic. Every Everybody's running around like, yo, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? How do we make money? And these and these guys, you know, and their team, they already have ideas that could work in a, in a pandemic. Like, I just thought mm-hmm. that was kind of crazy. But yeah. what do you think? I thought it was great. I think they, these guys are great at what they do. They have built out a structure and a company that enables them to really channel unique creativity and deliver value to their clients to come up with really unique can- campaigns, concepts. I think uh, this stuff is super valuable. I think they're at the top of their class, so couldn't have been more grateful to have him on absolutely well as always uh if you haven't already definitely be sure to check us out on uh patreon and the the community is getting real popping in our discord chat and we're super grateful for people that are able to submit questions to our guests before we have those interviews a lot of other cool perks so if you haven't already that's musicbusinesspodcast.com slash community to to learn more we hope to see you in there and uh, I hope you're quarantining well, staying safe, you and your loved ones Absolutely. staying happy and healthy. So until next time, we out.